Let's go. Hello and welcome to another edition of MMA Uncaged, episode 12, proudly brought to you by Ginger Fox Coffee, fantastic coffee, guaranteed to make you as clever as a fox. Thanks so much for joining us. As always, my partner in crime, Gareth Soldier Boy McClellan, former EFC middleweight champion and former UFC fighter. Gareth, um, let's start off and, and get right into it. This weekend, 252, the trilogy, Stipe Miocic, Daniel Cormier. I don't know how you feel about it, but at the end of the day, it settled the trilogy, and, and Stipe is the baddest man on the planet. Yeah, man, listen, it was such an interesting fight to, in the beginning. It, it started out, the first round was kind of like, so it was kind of, it was it was really tight, and then um, round two came out, and uh uh, uh, I think it was, was it round two? Was it round three going? Round three. Could it be yeah, round two or round three? three? Wait, Daniel Cormier started to set the pace, good behind the jab, finding good double jab combo, catching with the overhand right, a couple of that slip off side dip that he does into the overhand right, and um, started to have uh, Stipe in a bit of trouble. And Stipe was looking uncomfortable. I think he had been hit a couple of times really hard, and was kind of just not looking, and he, uh, Daniel was pushing the pace, pushing the pace, and then all of a sudden there was just this mad little combo at the end, boop, boop, right hand, almost like a shovel hook right hand, and uh, caught uh, Daniel off, uh, off balance, and then Stipe was on him, and he got saved by the buzzer. You saw he stood up, his eye was clearly uh, clogged, and I think that was the defining moment. I think that... Uh, uh, Daniel had really started to put the pressure. Uh, DC was he was on the money. He was looking good. He had had the range. He tested him a little bit with a couple of shots, and I think that was the plan was to to see what he was like on the wrestling side, and and then mix it up with the striking. Um, uh, and then I mean, Stipe looked incredible though. Definitely not as heavy as what he did. Leaned out nice, moved slightly, step offs. That right hand was firing. And um, he just showed that he what kind of a champion he was. He went even though he was in trouble, he was uncomfortable. He wasn't afraid to mix the combinations up. He wasn't afraid to strike. And I think the I think if you looked at the the strike total at the end, he was he was way ahead of Daniel in terms of percentages that landed. And yeah, oh, listen, a rightful rightful winner on the on the night. Um, I think he he showed uh, uh, his class. I showed what, what kind of a champion he is. You know, he put himself down as the greatest uh, heavyweight of all time. Dan, dan, dan. Francis and Gagne. Or could be the John Jones. John Jones is now vacated. Interesting comment. Um, I was watching a podcast with uh, uh, Ben Asker and uh, Erewhon, and uh, they were just saying, like, um, was, was it timed at the right time to rub salt in the wounds of uh, Daniel Um and kind of show him, well, if you can't do it, I'll do it. And, yeah. you know, I think that, that's going to stir up some great conversation. Um, I'd like to see a John Jones. I would, in fact, I'd like to see Francis and Gagne get the next shot. And then, obviously, um, you know, then who does who does that line up for, uh, for John Jones? Because we know he's coming. We know he's going to be yeah. the next. Uh, he, he, he wants that, that, that heavyweight title. I think he's taken him time to commit. But now that Daniel Cormier is out of the way, 
And, and does that say, does this say that, that he could have been potentially scared of Daniel Cormier at light heavy? I mean, at, at Mass- heavyweights. Massive respect, eh? He's, he's, I mean, they've, they've tasted each other in terms of power, in terms of victories, in terms of fights, proper wars. I think so. I think, and also, it's, it's very odd that all of a sudden, Cormier retires, and then you have a guy like John Jones suddenly willing to talk to the UFC when just a few weeks ago he didn't want to know anything about the UFC. So maybe it speaks of uh, the amount of respect that he did have for DC because DC, as you say, a dominant champion, a fantastic athlete, two weight divisions, Hall of Famer to come, future Hall of Famer, that's no, no doubt. Um, and a brilliant commentator. I really enjoy him. But I want to take you back slightly. Uh, DC was saying a lot about that Mark Goddard missed um, that eye poke. And it looked like a serious damage to the eye. He said he couldn't see out his eye, the torn cornea. I mean, what do you make of that? I mean, Mark Goddard afterwards said, listen, sorry, I missed it. Um, but do you think that made it, would have had a huge sort of say in, in the fight? Because it was later on in the fight. And Stipe was kind of... You know, starting to just find his, his, his rhythm a little bit. I don't, I don't know. What do you make of that? So, look, I mean, it goes again to the type of fighter that Daniel is. He he, he, he doesn't like to make – he won't make excuses. Um, but it did happen, and, and, and it could have been a concern. But, again, it, it, in the time when it happened, he could have taken his moment. He could have, he could have made it. He could have made, he could have made the noise. He could have said, hey, listen, this is what happened. He could have backed off. He didn't. He kept fighting. Um um, it shows the t- kind of warrior that he is and that he, he's not willing to just, you know, accept uh, a, a loss or accept a setback. You know, he'll fight through adversity. He'll do what he needs to do. And then, yeah, I mean, look, it's a bit late to call it after the fight. The fight's gone. Um, if, you needed, if you needed the time or you thought it was a problem and, and if you couldn't see – you then needed to raise it in, at at, the, at that stage in the cage. I mean, if it if it, if it affected you that much, then surely there needed to be uh, some sort of doctor's review uh, on fight. I mean, it's it's such a it's kind of it's kind of up there. People will say, "Oh, you're using it as a using it as an excuse," and some people will say, "Well, it legitimately happened, and it, it could have hampered him." I mean, I mean, where do we go from there? Yeah, I mean, to break down the fight, 171 total strikes from Stipe, 145 for Daniel. Um, significant strikes, 115 to 105. Um, the one takedown that Daniel did uh, get. Um, but overall, you know, Stipe did, did deserve, uh, deservedly take the title, even though some people were saying two rounds all going into the, the, the championship round, the decider, the fifth one. But I think at the end of the day, Daniel Cormier can be very proud of his career. Um, he's, he's a fantastic champion. And, and you speak about, and a lot of fighters speak about legacy. You know, I think he can look back on his career and say, I have left a legacy. Two-division champion, you know, um, and he's lost out to a guy who's certainly no slouch in, in Stipe Miocic. Well, if you look at Daniel Cormier's loss record, it is only title fights. He's only lost in title fights. He's never lost in, yeah. in, in, an, in a normal fight. It's, so... That shows his caliber. Um, again, who's his losses to? The greatest heavyweight of all time and the greatest lightweight of all time. A light heavyweight yeah. of all time. So it's it's not like you look at his, his his column and go, oh, well, I mean, loss. Okay, two losses, Stipe. Two losses, John Jones. I mean, yeah. it, it, it just shows light heavyweight champion, heavyweight champion. I mean, 
Yeah, it's going to be very hard to ever argue that he's not one of the greatest of all time. Um, yeah. I think, and I think it would be injustice to him to turn around and say he didn't prove himself. He's carried himself impeccably as a as a man. He's uh, he's ultimately been the the ultimate professional, and and that yeah. that's inside and out. I mean, he's he's juggled the fact of being a commentator, being a dad, being a coach, still coaching his high school wrestling teams. Then competing as a, a as a fighter, and and don't get it wrong, Daniel Cormier is 41 years old. He's not a he's not a youngster by by any means, and he's still able to go in there and push the best heavyweights in the world right to the brink. I mean, I yeah. I looked at it, I said as well, good up, very very close to being two all. Um, so he definitely won the fourth. He definitely won. Probably the second, but then got rocked. The third was kind of a if we clinch, not much, a lot happened. And the first round was very close, so it could have gone either way. You know what I mean? So the, if, if I was the refs, I think a lot of people looked at it one and four uh, Cormier because he had got the takedown in round one. And then yeah. uh, uh, two, and, uh, two and three belonging to the champion. And then it was all about round five. And then, I mean, yeah. that's where... He showed his class. He outstruck him, I think, 30, 31 or 32 uh, significant strikes to 16 or 17. So, yeah. I mean, and, and Daniel was definitely battling with the eye. He couldn't read the yeah. couldn't read the distance as well as what he normally would. And he put himself in positions where he took a little bit too much damage. Yeah. But smart again. Um, good wrestling exchanges. No. Good wrestling no. defense. Fair to say... Both of these guys are legends of of the MMA. I think that's fair to say. Um, do you think, looking at what we've seen, that the, the refs, and I mean the refs have a tough job, and, and they do a stellar job 99.9% of the time, but do you think more should be done with the, the fingers out, uh, closing the hands, you know, because we're seeing a lot of eye pokes with guys trying to find range, you know, just the, that sort of jab where they put it out. Or they, what, what's your take on that? you think more could be done? Do you think they should be sterner on that? Yeah, look, I, I think it's something that definitely needs to be addressed. I think it's something that continuously shows itself in fights, and it, and it costs guys. Um, you know, I don't think at any stage your hand should be out flat or extended in front of you. If you're in the striking position, uh, I mean, uh, for me, uh, it's very easy to keep the hands cupped. You don't have to close them, but if you keep them cupped, you can still push them out, you can still parry, you can still play the grips, um, uh, there definitely needs to be something in terms of a full extension kind of handout. At the moment you're showing your palms to somebody uh, or your, your, full, your full extent of the hand, uh, it's, it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to end up nasty. We cup those hands inside. I mean, look, such a hard thing to do. How do you go and tell somebody now how to fight? If they train a certain way, they feel comfortable. Very, very difficult uh, scenario. Very, very difficult parameters to to, to keep and, uh, and and a rule to uh, to kind of uh, look. Maybe got to start being harsher on guys. Yeah. Maybe it's got to be a case of if your hands are out and you are poke immediate point deduction. It then teaches yeah. guys not to uh, warning. Don't do that. Poke in the eye. Warning. Don't poke. Then okay, let's take away. Yeah. No. You know, it's because you see you see guys deliberately like almost that that palm is exposed it's it's a deliberate tactic you can't tell me that's a natural movement that you train for i mean you know and and more should be discouraged to avoid that because 
We've seen many fights over the years with an eye poke changes it all of a sudden. You know, either a guy starts bleeding on the eye, he can't see, even if it's so, the sweat in the eye, you know what I mean? That salty sort of like, you know, it just what? like causes irritation and it hampers your vision. It definitely does. Listen, a bump in the eye is definitely going it, to, it kind of affects that eye and your vision does become very blurry. It's not very easy to, to see. And then remember when the guy's throwing punches at you at that speed with that power, you need <laughs> no. your, your eyes are the most important thing. So, um, yo, listen, I think there's been a lot of issues in terms of refereeing in, in, in a lot of spaces. I think there's been a lot of mistakes. And I think they've been magnified because there's no crowd and there's no hype and there's no adrenaline. Yeah. And, Exactly. Guys are not that that energy, which would then gets them more going. No, I'm fine, pumping. I think guys are a little bit more softer in in when something happens. Yeah. You know, look, I mean, I, I think there's definitely changes that are got to be made to the rules. But this is the evolution of sport. It's it's always something that's, that's got to be looked at and changed to make it better. Um, let's move on to uh, a guy that we both rate and we both thought would uh, would beat Marlon Vero, uh, Sean O'Malley. Um, it's his first loss. Uh, he was on a 12-fight uh, win streak. Um, and it was just weird, man. Like, I don't know if a, if a checked kick hurt the foot first and then he went over the ankle. But Marlon Vera came to fight and showed him no respect. And at the end of the day... Uh, Sean O'Malley um, has got a lot to learn and, and will hopefully bounce back in style from this. So, I mean, I think we, I, I, I can't remember which, uh, we chatted in, in, in one of the podcasts, uh, early podcasts uh, about uh, his capabilities and what a tough guy. I mean, who was he? Who did he fight that, that, that day? And I mean, it was an absolute war and he showed his chin, he showed his striking capabilities. Yeah. I think he ended up knocking TKO the guy or knocking him out. Or it could have gone to decision. I'm not sure. I, I, I can't recall. But he he's a fighter. He, he, he's, 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 he's from South, tough South American uh, country. He's uh, He doesn't have a lot. He's had to fight for everything that he has. You know, like he said, um, there's not much that he hasn't seen. So I don't think the kind of playful, uh, look at me kind of vibe uh, – Sean O'Malley, where he uses that confidence to his advantage, and he, he was under pressure. I mean, he was on the back foot. He wasn't. He was having. He wasn't having it his own way. Um, I think there's a lot of been a lot of shouts about him copping out um, in that fight. I, I have seen some stuff between uh, um, I think it was Henry Cejudo saying something about it, breaking a toenail, and then. Uh, <laughs> Goldbrand jumping on the on the bandwagon, um, saying about people are not ready to go to war. Uh, just a tough scenario. You, you you never know the mentality of a fighter. Mm-hmm. And hey, was was it something that was he was he not feeling comfortable in there? Was he just not in the same uh, mindset that he would normally be in? Um, and maybe the hype hype got to him. Took, There's a lot took, of hype took, around Sean O'Malley. Yeah, took the took the easy road out, but you know, young guy, young, he got a lot, he got a lot to learn. Yeah. Um, got to le- learn from these the, the losses. Got to got to make yourself better. Got to pick yourself up. Um, maybe just go a little too much too quick, you know. Yeah. Uh, look, it's it's one blemish, and I mean, we've seen with a lot of guys that fight turns them into another beast. 
you know, they, they learn from that. And that's what we hope for, for Sean O'Malley. You know, I, I think, you know, the X-ray has come back with no breaks and, and maybe it was just a, a rolling of a sprain or something. But at the end of the day, he's got to learn this. I mean, how do you pull yourself back from a loss, especially when there's so much hype around you? I mean, in your career, you've also been on the receiving end. You've won plenty. But there's been times when you've been in that dark place and you've lost. How do you bounce back? What do you go to? Do you go back to the same things or do you spend time dissecting what went wrong? What's the approach? So I think the most important thing in, in that space is, is just understanding that, you know, in this sport, you're going to lose. It's inevitable. I mean, you, you take a look at the, the middleweight title that's coming up, two undefeated fighters. Somebody walking away with a loss thing. It, it's just, it's inevitable. You can't, you can't hide from it. There'll either be somebody who can match you, somebody who's better than you. It's just the way it is. You know, I, I've, I've fought with messed up ankles and it's not a nice thing to do. Um, it takes away all your confidence in yourself. Um, but again, he said he had, he had had no injuries. He was feeling great. Maybe too many quick fights on a trot, which, which cost him. He's a young guy. He's got to go back. He's got to process it. He's got to understand the loss. He's got to understand why he lost. And then he's got to come and make himself better. Um, he's exceptionally talented. He can be he can be what everybody says he he's capable of. Um, I think he's shown that. Um, it's just a case now of, of of finding a groove again. For me, the best thing is always just go back to basics. Basics has yeah. always been your foundation. It's always been what catapulted you. It's always been something that you could build onto and create a, a style, you know, and you improve on that style. So go back into the basics. Get the basics uh, firing again. Get the confidence back up. Um, see it for what it is. It's a loss. They're going to happen. Um, it's time for me to redeem myself. He's still young. He has the attitude. Yeah. He has the ability. We all know at 25 years old, 24 years old, it wasn't It wasn't hard to get back up. You know what I mean? You were willing no. to take on the next bull that came along. Speaking of bulls <laughs> coming along, uh, September the 27th, um, it's a guy you know very well, um, who wants Israel at Asanya's title. Paulo Costa Barcino goes up against Israel at Asanya. I mean, there's no love lost between these guys. But give me an idea of how difficult it was fighting Paulo Costa because he is an enormous specimen at middleweight. Listen, it's not only that. He he has an incredible fight IQ. He's not, he's not just this big... Uh, Galutu walks around and just smashes everything. He has that ability to just deconstruct anything that's in front of him through power and speed. Um, but he has the brain to go with it. He has the fight knowledge. He's got an incredible chin. He's 25 years old. He's coursing with adrenaline and he's coursing with the testosterone. He just wants to murder whatever's in front of him. And I, listen, I, I, I really, really honestly feel that this is the fight that either cements Israel Adesanya as the champion and the guy to beat in the middleweight division, like the long time ago's of Anderson Silver's, uh, the John Joneses, it'll put him in that category. This is the fight that will change his name forever. But, and I say a very, very big but, that thing that's about to walk in front of him <laughs> wants nothing else but then for him to die. He just yeah. wants him to die. And he, and he he's not going to back off. He's not going to be like Yo Romario. Yo Romario is yeah. a little bit older. He's, 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 he's 
He's got a little bit of experience. You know, he's kind of got a blasé attitude. Paulo Costa wants to eat him. And he's going to do whatever he needs to take to get his hands on, on, on Israel Adesanya. The range, I think, is going to be a, a, a problem in the beginning. But I said this before. Paulo Costa's not small. He's six foot three. He's, uh, yeah. he's, got, he's, got, he's got a long range. He, he's got a lot of power in him. So you get this really technical striking ability against this really powerful guy. Uh, Israel doesn't want to take a lot of punches from him. Um, I do see a lot of a lot of powerful leg kicks. I think if I was smart, I would go back to that old school Muay Thai mentality: throw hard, throw fast, and throw big numbers at Israel Adesanya. Um, walk him down, and then uh, and try and put the hurt on him. Good body shots as well. We know that uh, Costa likes to throw to the body. He's cut down a lot of guys like that. See the same tactic happening again. I'd be very, I wouldn't be very surprised to see him take uh, Israel Adesanya down. I wouldn't be surprised to see if he gets on top of him. I mean, that guy's a beast. 100, 100 kilos of pure muscle. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. We, we, we had had the conversations with guys in Brazil about him previously anyway to find out more, that, uh, more about him. And they just said that guys, guys don't understand how good he really is on the floor. I mean, that was a lot of our game was to test him Get him, put him on his back, make that big muscle framework. But his conditioning is impeccable. I mean, he showed that yeah. before. He showed that in the Mario fight. He, he, he's not going to be easy to put away. <clears throat> Stroll across the other side, you've got Israel Adesanya, a guy who has this unbelievable stand-up record. This, uh, the, uh, he's a kickboxing champion, fought in glory. Um, he, he's put away some of the best guys in the industry um, at the middleweight division, and, and put them away. Um, yeah. He, he, he stopped Calvin Gastelum, who was on a tear. He stopped Robert Whitaker, the champion, who had beaten uh, Yol Romara twice. So, uh, interesting fight. I want, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty much going to say one of these two dudes are going to go to sleep, definitely. And yeah. uh, I think we're going to see a, an incredible striking match. I, I, I'm, I'd love to see uh, uh, a bit of ground game, a bit of wrestling. We know that is uh, that uh, Paulo Costa can wrestle can wrestle as well. So yeah, yeah he's a complete package as as a, a, as an MMA fighter. And I think I think if he goes on to be champion, he's going to be a very 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 difficult guy to beat. That's why we love the sport, isn't it? Because there's always someone knocking on the door, challenging the next dude, and everyone wants to be the baddest dude on the planet. It's just we love it, and and it's guys who are black belts in various disciplines taking on guys who are, are not necessarily a traditional mixed martial, you know, a martial artist. They're mixed martial artists, like a hybrid. It, it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. It's a really exciting time in the UFC. It really is. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, though, uh, the, the, the fight night coming up, I mean, you know, that uh, adesanya Carlister fight is still a month away, but... Um, Coming up next, we've got a, a Frankie Edgar gets back against Munoz. I mean, uh, that's also at the apex. It's an interesting one because Edgar's a veteran. He's one of the legends. Um, what do you make of that? So I think uh, Munoz showed his ability when he knocked out Cody Carbrandt. He's got uh, very powerful hands. He's not afraid to get into slugfest. Um, I, I, he's tough. He's durable. He, he's building a very quick name for himself. Um, I think this for him is the big notch that he needs. I think uh, 
a win over a seasoned veteran uh, will kind of catapult him into the mix of of names in that already stacked division. Uh, I, I mean, there's five or six guys that can put their hand up at any stage and go, okay, I'll fight for the title. Um, yeah. Frankie Edgar, Frankie Edgar, nah, listen, is he, is he, is he becoming too old? He, I think he's, he's lost two in a row uh, on the trot. I think yeah. one was, a, was a, one was a knock. I think he was knocked out one of them. And then uh, I think he lost on a decision. Uh, but you know, Frankie is a gamer. He's gonna, you, you know, one hundred percent. He's gonna come in there. He's gonna, he's gonna put on some leather. He's gonna bite on the gum guard, and he's gonna go to work. Does he still have the ability? Cats, hundred percent. He's not a guy who just look past. Is it? Is, is he a little bit just past his time? Yeah, potentially, we've seen that the progression of MMA is so fast that I think you get to a certain stage. Only the freaks of nature are still in the mix at, at, at the ages of forty and thirty-eight and thirty-nines. Yeah. Um, uh, we've seen that the, the the youngsters have the young mixed martial art guys have just become so so advanced and so hungry and I mean the uh, age is on their side and they and they they can take more damage they can take more punishment they can dish out more um, you know I I, I I do see it being in a space where you will slowly see less and less or more of of the older guys still mixing it up because. Because guys are fighting from so young now. I mean, yeah. 20s, 21s, they're in the mix. They're fighting. 10 years of fighting is a long career. You know, 30, 31, 32, you, you put yourself through, your body through a lot. And with modern technology, there's so much tape on your opponents. You know, like guys will be able to go to YouTube and have all the the fights that they've seen, you know. So no, there's not much place to hide or for surprises or anything these days in, in the sport of MMA. Well, you know, and, and, uh, and you say it's, you know, I mean, obviously it changes when you get into the, the hexagon and the octagon. Uh, it's a different story, but there's so much tape. But there's very little to hide. Yeah, listen, I think inside of us, always we always we always believe we're more capable. Um, I mean, I still at this stage think to myself, 100% I'm, I'm capable of fighting. You know, if they called me up tomorrow and said, hey, listen, uh, Boricino's out or Adesanya's out, you have to fight. I'd be like, I'm gamer, let's go. You know? Yeah. Uh, how long do I have to prepare? Uh, four weeks, great. Um, so I don't think that mentality of, okay, I'm going to go. But you just got to understand, you get, you slow down. You, you start to rely more on experience than that young killer instinct that can go at this incredible pace. And yeah, no um, fear. You have no fear when you're young. Yeah. Hundred percent. Listen, I think that's one of the biggest things. You, after years and years of experience, uh, you've hit, been hit hard a few times where you go, I don't want to take too many of those, you know. Whereas a youngster, you're taking those and you're like, me more, me more. <laughs> it's also the next morning that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, you think about when you yeah. started off fighting, you recover in a couple of weeks. Now, you know, you wake up the next morning. I imagine and. It's your your body's sore for a lot longer. No, look, you definitely, definitely, hundred percent feel it for feel it for a lot a longer period of time, and you know that's why you start to see guys fighting less and less and less and less because they just take more time to to repair themselves and be ready. Not only not only physically, but just as mentally and emotionally. You know, you, yeah. you, you as a youngster, you've got this attitude of, well, I don't care, I'm ready to go, I'll fight anybody. The older you get, you start to think, well, you know, <laughs> who have you got? Uh, I feel this. <laughs> Is it still there? Um, I want to ask you uh, 
obviously, uh, Justin Ferrier's uh, other girlfriend is, is, I don't think she knows, uh, Paige Van Zandt. Um, but she recently signed up for bare knuckle boxing. I mean, she's she's quite happy to, to, to take this new chapter. What do you make of it? For me, that's that's like, that's something else. I didn't expect her to, to be taking on something like that. Do you think it's publicity? Do you think they've actually got bucks to pay her? Listen, I think she's a, she's a high-profile name for them. I think they definitely threw a big check at her. That's why she's uh, why she took it. Um, is it her style? Is it something she's she's capable of? I'm not sure. I don't think that she's uh, it's her environment. Uh, listen, you'll you'll pretty you'll find out pretty quickly. Um, I know that there is a, a lady there that she had knocked out. Uh, 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 Becky Rollins, um, yeah. who's uh, who's actually the champion. So I think that could be it could be an interesting fight that they're potentially setting up or looking at a, a good marketing ploy. Lost in the MMA, now it's a chance to redeem yourself. Da 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 da. I mean, goes today. A fighter at heart, you're not afraid to to, to venture into any area. Bare knuckle boxing. Does it yeah. does it do any credibility? You know what I'm saying? Like I just feel like. Could she have not gone to another organization instead? This just seems drastic. Like she wants attention. I don't know. I think so. I think she grabbed the first thing that came along, uh, to be honest. Or well, unless the pair of the paycheck's really that good. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I think from, from that point of view, you know, it's something else. I haven't seen much of the bare knuckle boxing, but I still prefer the four-ounce gloves and, and watching them you know, do it in a cage properly. That, that's kind of how I feel right now. I still, it's got, I still think it's got that raw uh, animalistic style to it. I don't think it's as much as you want to put it in the ring and have a crowd and have a ref. I still think that it's it's still backyard. I mean, yeah. as sports, we've worked so hard to get away from the backyard stuff uh, to show that we are professionals. And yes, there's a certain amount of professionalism that goes into to bare knuckle boxing. But I mean, what are, what are you watching? Two women hit each no. other without gloves on. You know, no, I think to... I, it's classless. All due respect to to the the woman fighting, it's just classless. I, I want to see them four ounce gloves in the UFC, EFC, whatever it is, Bellator, Invicta, you name it, one championship, whatever it is. Uh, you know, I'd rather just see that. You know, but anyway, what can we say? But I think Gareth, in general, um, you know, the 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 MMA action's coming thick and fast. We're obviously waiting to see when EFC gets the go ahead because. I think at that high-performance uh, center in, in Randburg and Johannesburg, South Africa, they can put something similar on um, because we, I think we need South African MMA back. We need EFC back, and, and we need to see some local fights because I imagine there's a lot of gyms taking strain, a lot of fighters who are very frustrated at the moment. What's the feeling on the street? What have you, what have you heard from the guys? I think guys are starting to get desperate uh, in terms of opportunity. I think the guys are struggling. It's it's not easy out there. It's tough for these guys having to to sit at home and try and earn a living and not being able to fight. Um, I I do believe EFC can pull it off. I think they can be exceptionally successful. At they've always showed their abilities to to handle uh, their productions and and um, uh, putting in their processes and making sure that those processes run smoothly. I think they run a great operation in that aspect. So I think from a from an ability to, to to consolidate themselves as well, bring themselves back to a smaller platform, not put as much pressure on themselves coming out. You know, the economy's around. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're right there. You need some more oh, coffee yeah. there. 
Oh, sure. I'm going to shake yeah, myself right, up. I'm shake myself up. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think it's a good opportunity to reset uh, for South African MMA. I think it's uh, uh, a space that everybody should jump on and say, okay, right, how do we make this thing work? Not only look at EFC and go, okay, well, what's going on? I think as as a collective, we've got to say, okay, right, how do we catapult? How do we start pressing forward? What do we need to do? What are the processes that need to happen? Fighters need to start being more professional in their approach to what's happening. Because, I mean, you're going to have to isolate yourself if you're training. Your team members are going to have to isolate themselves. You can't afford to get sick. You can't afford to sign a fight and then not rock up because of COVID, because you were being irresponsible. So, yeah, a lot of changes to come. Um, I, I think EFC will, will get it right. And, then, and it'll be exciting. It'll be exciting to watch EFC again. I think, it's, uh, I think guys have missed it. And maybe a good break uh, from for the South African public again will ignite that that excitement because there's not a lot going on. No, exactly. Uh, well, let's see. We should try and get uh, Cairo Howarth on, the president of EFC. Maybe he's you know got some info for us. Yeah. Uh, I know that they they've been asking government for answers in South Africa, so let's wait and see. But either way, uh, this weekend will be fight night at the Apex. More UFC action, so we're excited about that and. You know, prediction, uh, is it going to be Pedro or is Frankie, you know, going to bounce back from his losing streak? What's your thoughts? Yeah, listen, I, I'm, I'm a big Frankie Edgar favor. One of my favorite fights was him, uh, was the was the duel against Gary Maynard. Uh, I think that was one of the, the defining moments in in, uh, um, in mixed martial arts at that stage. Uh, he put on an impeccable show. He, he showed what a giant he was in there. Is he a little bit too old? I think I think he's kind of just past the expiry date, and uh, I think uh, Munoz is a young rising star who's hungry, who's, who's not afraid of, of, of legends. I mean, he stood in front of, of Cody Godbrand and went to war yeah. with him and knocked him out. So I just, I just don't see Frankie having what it takes to, to, to win this one. Uh, it'll be sad to see him lose again because I think that would potentially be the end for him. Um, you know, but who knows? Maybe Frankie comes out with his... Uh, his old self and and, right. and and surprises everybody, but my money's on on Munoz. Well, as we well know in MMA, it's down to like a split second, and uh, sometimes it's just landing the, the punch in the right place at the right time, a little bit faster than your opponent. So anything can happen. Um, quickly before we go, did you see GSP's picks that he posted? I think it was on social media. How good he is looking. And the rumors keep swirling of him and Khabib. And even though Khabib Gaethje is, is coming up in October, it's, uh, it could be a super fight. Well, why, would GSP, why would GSP try? And, you know, to solidify, he's already a legend, a Hall of Famer. So I, I, if you look at him and you look at the condition he is, he's in impeccable condition. GSP is uh, the ultimate professional. And GSP, just the rumor of Khabib wanting to fight him would have, would have excited GSP and would, would have had him pressing hard and getting himself into shape. And he would be asking himself the question, am I quick enough? Am I strong enough? Am I capable? Can I get to lightweight? Can I, can I, can I pose a threat to this guy? 100% yes. I, I, GSP has a phenomenal MMA wrestling style. He's exceptionally good on the floor. He's, he's, he's the same type of striking. He's, 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 He's an artist in there, man, and he's just—he's a genius when it comes to fight prep and and and, um, and dissecting fighters. Uh, for us, uh, I, I think I think it, if they if UFC managed to get that fight right, I think you're probably watching going to watch one of the greatest showdowns 
of of two of probably the greatest fighters of all time. And I think it's the it's the it's the fight that goes okay. Well, who's the best mixed martial artist ever? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, John Jones. I think he's just surrounded by too much controversy. Even though he had this impeccable fighting style, I think there's just too much controversy to say okay, he's the guy. He was he was the guy. George St. Pierre carries yeah. that title um, because of the way he is, his his mannerisms, the way he conducts himself um, as a businessman, as a fighter, and as a person. Ultimate pro. And, I think I think Khabib shows, shows the same style uh, uh, as yeah. a person, a little bit more harder being that Eastern block. But hey, a fight I would definitely like to watch because I think it would become a very strategic uh, matchup. And it, though it could be very boring, but yeah. as 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 a as a, as a fighter to watch something like that, I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of watching like watching a LeBron and and and, and Michael Jordan going head to head, or you know, a, a Woods and a Palmer going head to head. It's kind of those matchups that you 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 would always dream of watching. Yeah, I think uh, the pay per view record sales would be smashed if that uh, fight ever happened. But uh, Gareth Soldier Boy McClellan, thank you as always for your time. We'll uh, chat again next week with more MMA Uncaged. But for now, uh, enjoy the rest of your week and um, enjoy the fights uh, this weekend. And, and we'll chat soon. Like and subscribe. Please uh, get in touch on social media. Thanks for your time and uh, be safe out there. Let's go. 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 This is for work. No surrender. No surrender. Yeah. You know that this right here for work. Introduce myself, they call me J-O-N to the easy E-N Know that we undefeated, y'all are beneath them speeds Let's trying to air a grievance, but his lines are overhead Better check the air for clearance, call the tower This is our credit, he the air apparent, uh-huh Really, I've never been better, legacy, this is forever All the more times I've been seven, I'm raising the bar You can go ahead and measure, think about time for a toast Time that we welcome the goat, yo, we're just leaving it, no This right here forever